Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Next Steps podcast from Westridge Church. This is the After Message Edition. I'm Steve Hill. I'm the Groups and Connections Pastor here at Westridge. And today, we just want to have a good conversation around the weekend message that was given here over the weekend. And maybe we can all find just uh, a next step or two that we can take in our journey with Jesus. I'm here each and every week with Tyler Newsom. I'm excited about that. Tyler, it's great to have you. And I'm so excited about our guest today. Steve, we, we have uh, a new year and we have a January pack full of really oh, good do. guests. January totally full, and we, we're starting off strong this morning. We are. Starts with today. Starts with today. We have with us project manager here at Westridge Church, Katie Woods. Katie, hey, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good, good. Phil Bowdle is also here, our That's creative right. arts pastor here at Westridge. Phil, how are you? I'm great. Happy New Year to you guys. Hey, I got to say, it is a it is a very happy new year because it is not 2020. Amen to that. So, <laughs> so here, look, just one final one final recap. I know we in this podcast, we continually point back to the woes that, that was 2020. Mm-hmm. But if anyone knows how difficult 2020 was here at Westridge, it's you guys. Mm-hmm. You guys That's truly true. know the ins and outs. So real quick to start us off. What is one of the hardest things 2020 put in front of you to do church here at Westridge? Great question. My goodness. I mean, thinking back to January 2020 and what Mm -hmm. was going on in our team meetings, what we were discussing compared to how we're approaching January 2021, it's just, it's a whole different ballgame. And I know it's different for us, but for the people listening, it's different for almost everybody in some way. So what we're going through is just a different version of what a lot of other people are going through. It's been very unique. How we do what we do looks really different now, just months (laughs) later. I mean, when you think about how we do meetings, how we plan for services, how we... Or do we plan for services? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Or did it just change? Because we go from, I mean, you know, for the first week of a Thursday going from Hey, we're going to meet in person to yeah. we aren't we need to go all online and do mm-hmm. that um socially distant or you know it's just it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. So, and how we do what we do looks really different, but at the end of the day what's fun is why we do what we do is exactly the same. I I know what mine was. Mine was I am such a people person and I love being around our team and just our staff. And so when we had to get kicked out of the building in March and we all went home, I remember just like waiting by my phone and I'm not going to lie. I think the, I don't even think the ants, like the phone rang a full ring before I was like, hello, hi, like, how are you? And Phil's like, have you missed people? And I was like, you don't even know. Um, so I think that that, I think that's been the ultimate challenge because we've had to shift not only planning and how we, like collaborate because so much of our team, you know, drives off of each other and our strengths and just in the moment conversations. And, you know, there was even moments where I realized that, you know, even with COVID and all the things that we had to do and shifting, even how we meet, like we actually, it's kind of a threat for all of us to be in the same room. Cause if one of us gets sick, which we've experienced, Mm -hmm. if one of us gets sick or we come in with any kind of like potential symptoms, I mean, there is no church at West Church. Our <laughs> team isn't together on on stuff. So, yeah, that kind of was like 
I don't know. I definitely felt like it was like a family reunion when we would get when we would get together. So no doubt. Well, that's really good. good. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Doing services in an empty room. Oh, that was really was nice very too. challenging as well too. It's for Brian, for all of us. I mean, we're so yeah. used to being able to engage. Yeah. With with a room full of people and yeah. stuff. So it, especially like, if that's how you communicate. If you communicate off of people's responses, which yeah. a lot of us do, there was like no just, energy. It felt like yeah. you have to pump up a silent room and then you immediately leave. It's almost like we were saying like, peace out, don't get too close, love you, bye. (laughs) But we're the kind of church that we're like, we're going to hug you even if you don't want to be hugged because we just love loving on everybody. Mm. So it totally shifted our entire culture. So our first week back um, when we had just, I think it was staff and then we had um, group leaders and and elders, you know, when we were trying to get back in July, Mm -hmm. um, it was so weird because it felt different. Brian and Paul were communicating differently. Mm -hmm. um, And it was like, hey, we're here. We're in the room. (laughs) I remember feeling very uh, distinctly like like that was was really weird. Well, because we have so much to talk about, I want to go ahead and jump into it if we can. Mm -hmm. And so you guys, you know we're, that we're um, back in the series called Authentic. We were in it last fall. It's the study of the book of James. We took a little hiatus for uh, the Christmas season. But we're back in it starting this, uh, starting yesterday. And we're, again, studying the book of James. We're in James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12, I believe. And Brian's message was how to tame the tongue. Super practical, mm-hmm. super um, uh, engaging. And so, Phil, I wanted to kind of look, explain a little bit about what you do around here for our listeners and then ask you a specific question. And Katie, you're welcome to yeah. uh, pipe in too if you'd like to. But um, so, Phil, you oversee the way that communication is done uh, in our church. You oversee a team that drives the social media and video stories and our website, et cetera. So you're kind of over all of communications. In fact, you, I think it'd be fair to say that you're in charge of what the church says to the public, maybe outside of maybe the messages. Um, but otherwise, I mean, even if there's a, a large communication that's going out, like an email or something like that, we put it past you first to get your, uh, your thoughts and insight and your team, you know, just to make sure it's great. That's a huge job, right? That That's a, that's an, I wouldn't want that job. And I, th- I just want to tell you, I think you do a great job at it. I, I really do. In fact, you're kind of the, the resident expert, you know, certainly at our church, but even maybe in this area. And you've written a book. One thing that people love about our, our podcast is when they get to learn things about other people mm-hmm. and other staff that they didn't know. And I don't know if everybody knows, first of all, that you wrote a book um, called Rethink Communication. And the second thing they probably didn't know is that that I was the ghostwriter on that book. <laughs> 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 that, that part isn't true, but that was a minor bragging moment. <laughs> yeah, for you, that's right. right? Yeah. <laughs> speaking about truth, uh-huh. and, uh, speaking, <laughs> uh, but Phil, give me a tell me a little bit about that book, real quick, if if you can, because then I'm going to ask a question about it. Yeah, I mean, it, I, it was awesome to be able to release that two years ago, and what was great is a lot of what I shared about was things that we got to learn and do here at Westridge. Um, so I knew when I came into Westridge um, uh, ten years ago, um, it I came in really with communications and video and all that really at the ground floor. Like there was not a whole lot of structure for it. And honestly, there was a lot of things that, that I needed to learn and, and overcome to be able to hopefully be effective for our church and our community. And what happens here happens at churches all over the country. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of churches navigating the things that we've been through or are going through. And so I just have a heart for helping churches communicate the greatest message ever on that. So mm-hmm. it takes it, it looks a lot different now than it did a long time ago. And so uh, my goal is just to create a playbook for how churches can communicate the greatest message ever. So knowing that you were going to be on our podcast yesterday as I'm listening to the message, this thought kind of came to my mind. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fair to say that that you – 
you are an expert in communication. You you went to school for it. You studied for it. You've had several jobs in it. You've written a book on it. People look to you. You you do um, seminars and all kinds of things. You know. So I, I think it's very fair to say that. Um, and so this is the question that I had. Um, there's a lot of people um, who would read um, what James wrote in James chapter three, or listen to Brian's message yesterday, and, and might have tension in their heart because they work, live, or play in an environment that's that's um, maybe less than toxic, all the way up to very toxic. And communication is, is used uh, in a way to manipulate. It's used to intimidate. It's used, it's used in a way to get what I want mm-hmm. the way that I want it. And people have to live there. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to work there. They're, that's where they play, right? In that, in that environment. And you talk a lot in your book about speaking the language uh, that people hear and understand, mm-hmm. you know, and, and taking things and thinking about them and, and working them in a way that, that it moves and inspires people because it's their language. So my question to you is, um, when it comes to what Paul was, or what uh, James was saying in, in his book, and, and what Brian was teaching you yesterday, but isn't there, isn't there, speaking people's language, isn't there there uh, a, a crossover a little bit where you kind of do have to be, to speak the language in order to be heard in those environments, or is that not the case what, from your perspective? Yeah. I think every culture is different. I mean, I was watching football yesterday and watching the coaches communicate to their teams, and some are soft-spoken, quiet, will never raise their voice, and others are screaming their heads off. Mm-hmm. And every culture is different. And so I think everybody listening, you're going to be in an environment in a workplace or your family that communicates differently. Mm-hmm. And I think the responsibility that we have at the end of the day is is the, this question, and this is what stuck out to me from Brian's message, kind of my takeaway, was mm-hmm. what do you want it to be like on the other side of you? Because when mm. you're communicating to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors, to your coworkers, like if they're experiencing the the mere side of of you, the culture you're creating. Mm. And so the question is, like, how's that working for you? Is that what you mm. want it to be? Because um, a lot of people would be frustrated by what they're experiencing, but they aren't necessarily always looking in the mirror, or they're not always realizing what they're putting off. Mm-hmm. And I, what I don't mean is that doesn't mean that um, we can't be strong. That doesn't mean we can't, uh, that our words can't carry weight and, and speak boldly into things that need to be spoken boldly to. Jesus modeled that. Like it wasn't all soft, cuddly language. Like we have a savior who was pretty bold with what he said, but he mm-hmm. also knew, knew mm-hmm. who exactly he was speaking to and what they needed to hear. And he knew exactly just what needed to be communicated in that moment. And that takes a lot of, um, it, it takes a lot of taming the tongue, like James mm-hmm. said, uh, mm-hmm. and stuff. So I think it's just really asking that question, you know, what do you want it to be like on the other side of you? And I, I know Great for question. me, even at the beginning of every year, Katie would know this for, for, um, uh, for we're, bi- we're really big on New Year, New and Year, like, th- new uh, and that's that's probably a little bit of the that. culture that I create. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I I take it seriously. Of even I want to know myself really mm-hmm. well, um, and I the way I do that at the beginning of every year, I learned this from our pastor, from Brian, who I think it, in even seasons in in um, in his life he's done this, or he may still do it. But at the beginning of every year, I start taking personality assessments, and usually the same ones. Um, that I've taken in years past because I just want to keep on learning myself, knowing when mm-hmm. I want to I know um, when I'm getting unhealthy or when flags are raising or something like that. Mm-hmm. When oh, I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm not I'm not communicating the way I need to, so I need to know myself really well so that I can 
also have the privilege of knowing who I'm communicating well uh, to other mm-hmm. uh, to my team or to my family or anything like that. So yeah. I, I want to model that at the beginning of a year. This is a great opportunity for everybody to be able to to do that to know uh, what it's like to communicate to to uh, effectively to those mm-hmm. around us. Yeah, because I think a lot of ways that. it's it's being re- it's being responsible for how you process things, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's the hard part is we can easily say like oh my my environment my family like how i grew up the hurts i have it's just it's i am who i am you know and that's such a thing especially in like self culture outside of christianity i feel like we dial into like well take me as i am or leave me you know and mm-hmm. there's just this like this kind of jadedness that we have and it's like we have the opportunity to be responsible and to learn about what makes us tick why it makes us tick and how we respond and you can not overcome sounds like such a like cliche word, but you know, you can have change. You can have Mm. a a renewed spirit. Like, you know, Brian was talking about your heart can change. And and as a result of your heart changing, your words can change. And that can have such a huge profound rollover in your home workplace or just your relationships. Yeah, that's good. That's good. You know, I'm going to kind of add a little bit to this before we move into kind of another topic and they'll kind of go together perfectly anyways. So when I, when I heard yesterday's message, I start to think a little bit, just like Phil's talking about. I I want to um, be able to speak in the right in the right setting, and, and culture is different. And there's some grew up playing high school football. There is a there is a very different tone that's just said in sports and some other places uh, that can't translate to another place. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to be very careful that I don't have a different um, tone or way I speak on the podcast than I do at home with Hannah. I don't want Hannah to hear the podcast mm-hmm. and say, who is that? You know, mm-hmm. I want her to say, you know, I know that voice. He, he talks to me the same way. I don't want to put on any type of show. So it definitely hit home with me yesterday. And especially the part where, where Brian is talking about how his, how Pastor Brian, guys, and all the ladies of Westridge, Watch what is that? What is the it? Crown. Ne- the crown. Yeah, we yeah. found out Pastor Brian, along with the ladies of Westwood, Westridge, Brian and the ladies of Westwood. We have Any... a movie club with Pastor Brian. <laughs> I think there was one other guy in the there was, in the there was 10 30. Um, I was about to say, didn't he watch Downton Abbey? That was something like a year that's ago. Another, that was yeah, another that's thing. Another I was one. like, man, we're learning a lot pastors. about our, our pastor. So what are you guys gonna do for a job after this? Let me get into the meat of this question. Let's not just hover here. So <laughs> anyways, he's talking about from this show where we get to learn a little bit of, of history um, and about Princess Diana specifically yeah. mm-hmm. that was and some some words that um, Prince Charles mm-hmm. said to her yeah. that really negatively affected her. Mm-hmm. Um, just a little comment about, about her weight yeah. that sent her onto a, a life of struggling with bulimia. Mm-hmm. Um, so... When I when I hear that, I think, man, my my words to Hannah really really matter, and mm-hmm. that's just something that really challenged me. But Katie, I want to ask you this, just from a lady's a lady's perspective specifically, mm-hmm. um, from your perspective, why do women respond so much different to words that that tear down? Isn't that a loaded question? I feel like that's something I wish all of us had the answer to and it's not it's not easy to address because if if you're in an unhealthy state you can hear that and go 
it's basically an accusation of why are you so sensitive? You know, um, I don't know. I, I'm honestly, so Steve gave us the questions last night to kind of prep for this. And I went home and I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a, this is such an elephant in the room. And this is something that we, you know, women, especially Christian women, I think constantly are battling, um, of, you know, why are we the way that we are? Why do we take things sensitively? You know, how can we bolster ourselves to where we can just not be taking offense to anything, you know? And so anyways, I kind of was thinking on it last night and, um, I was reflecting on it with my husband. I was like, oh gosh. Um, and he was just like reminding me, he's like, well, what, what changed your mindset on how you step into the world of men or in ministry or with a team of, of different people? And how do you, how do you bring what God created you to have and what he created you to be into the room? And so there was something that impacted me a long time ago in high school. My mom gave me this book and it was called Captivating and it was written by um, Stacy Eldridge. And John Eldridge wrote a book before this book um, about how men are wired and created. And so this, this book that he wrote with his wife was called Captivating. And it was basically all about what is different about a woman's soul. And of mm. course, like that's that's some deep content for a high schooler um, to be reading. But yeah, my mom really encouraged me to read it. And I remember going through the book and it wasn't like there was anything in the book that was, oh my gosh, like a, you know, a firework went off. I'd never heard it, but the way that they laid it out was so impactful. And one of the things that really hit me um, was about how we were created. And one of it, and the thing is, is like often when we talk about Adam and Eve being created, I think mm -hmm. women in ministry or, you know, Christian women, we always think like, well, we were created to be a helper. We were created to be a support. We're on the, we're on the back end of whatever God's doing in the men in, in our lives, you know? Interesting. And mm -hmm. I think that, and a lot of times, especially with the way that, you know, feminism is and how are we redefining what being a woman is? We get, we get offended by that. We're like, we want to be the front runner. We want to, mm -hmm. we want to have a voice. We want to have a say. And there was something that they talked about in the way of Adam and Eve being created that Eve was made because Adam was incomplete and be Eve's Eve being created was the final act of creation. Mm. And there is a, well, it's almost like the cherry on top. Like we mm -hmm. were needed so much that God didn't say everything was done and rested until like, you know, Eve was brought into the picture. And I was like, whoa, that's like super impactful. Yeah. Like we're not an afterthought. We're not a side story. We're not something that, you know, needs to be ignored or we have to be a certain way. So I don't know if I'm saying that clearly, but if we're going back to the whole princess die situation, you know, words matter, like, mm -hmm. especially from, you know, your friends or your family or, you know, the father figure in your life or your husband or just, you know, people in general. And um, I think that when we're processing stuff, there's kind of a, a way that we have to look at it. We have to look at what are the words being say, said and how is that how is that impacting the message that's already within me right now? Like from past hurts or the experiences I've lived. So how am I processing those words that have come in? Um, the way that you're processing it is either out of hurt or it's out of the way God created you. And I think that there's a core that God created all women to want to be wanted and they wanted to be beautiful. Yeah. And so when there's something said, like what, you know, Prince Charles said to Princess Di, like that impacted the core of what God designed women to be. Like she wanted to be beautiful to her husband. And so wow. that, those wow. words, that wasn't just like an observation. That was a mm. core of like, you're not, you know, who I want. And I like, you yeah. know, unwanted or, you know, not beautiful and stuff. Um, so yeah, it's no wonder that that, that might've been something that she experienced even before 
Prince Charles, and it just kind of was like the final thing that broke yeah. and caused that outcome. Yeah, to have to happen and super insightful. You just don't yeah. know. Yeah, that's great. You know, and I come to find every day that I can't always talk to Hannah the way you, that talk to you know friends or some other. Mm-hmm. There's just a certain way that. God designed mm-hmm. our relationship and the relationship between a husband and wife mm-hmm. that is just so sacred and so unique. Um, men always have to, especially men that are trying to to model Christ to their wife too, just a very uplifting and a, encouraging way of speaking. Oh yeah, and and it's hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it's really hard. You know, I, I come back to the the first question that we talked about that you know you might be in a toxic environment. And to be heard, it feels hard. You feel like you have to succumb to that and you have to, you have to model that and you've got mm-hmm. to be like that or, or nobody hears you. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about, you know, I was reading recently an article about women in the workplace and how the frustration that they feel mm-hmm. in the workplace is because they feel like oftentimes, and I don't, I, I don't know if this is true, but, but I think they feel it's true. Mm-hmm. And so it probably is true that, um, that they feel like men see them as being particularly maternal. You know, and that they're supposed to be sweet and kind, and and if they're harsh and mean, that mm-hmm. that that's a you know, it's, they put them in a, in a in a certain category, and so they have to have this edge, in order to even be heard in a meeting, mm-hmm. like um and and I think you know so all of all of that, but what it what it m- makes me think overall is that what what James was talking about and Brian was helping us with yesterday is tough. Mm-hmm. It's really hard, you know? And, and in fact, I, I got stuck yesterday as I was following along and, and Brian as he was teaching through it and he mentioned it. I think it was verse seven in chapter three where uh, James says, listen, it's easier to tame a wild animal mm. than it is to tame your tongue, <laughs> you know? And I, it made me immediately think back to my brother um, picked up a baby raccoon when we uh, lived in Pennsylvania, you literally picked up a baby <laughs> raccoon and we tried to tame that thing. It, it, all of us, every person that went anywhere and went anywhere near that little baby raccoon and eventually it, it kind of grew up and we had to take it out to a farm and, and release it. Oh had blood on their hands and anywhere else that rac- raccoon could get to. We never tamed that raccoon. I mean, it tore us up. And and I, I was that's like the most Georgia Hick thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Right. Let's let's just say it, taming yeah. a raccoon like they're not all cuddly and Disney yeah. creatures like those things we are kind of crazy. No, 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 don't give this to Georgia. That's this right. did not happen. No, no, did not happen. <laughs> this did not happen in Georgia. Not, it did not happen in Georgia. It happened. I, I'm it happened from in rural Pennsylvania. Okay. Oh, okay. I'm from Georgia. So, we didn't we didn't tame raccoons and we did yeah. some crazy stuff. That, but we did not tame. Right. Leave that to to up there. Okay. Don't get me off topic here. But the point that the the, what I want to talk with you guys about is why do you think it's so doggone difficult? I mean, it's it's such a challenge mm-hmm. for us to tame this little muscle, you know, between our teeth. It, it's it's so difficult. So I wanted you guys to speak to that. What do you think? Um, you don't have to be all theological and stuff. I'm just saying, you know, why do you think it's so tough? Well, what I love about what James even says in so much of chapter three, the beginning, is just saying, this is hard. Like, mm-hmm. I'm so glad yes, he said he that instead of, hey, just do it. It's easy. And other, you know, like it made it clear this is hard. Even even Paul shares that I think in Romans um, Romans seven mm. of like for I do what I don't want to do and yeah. I don't do what I yeah, do want to do basically. True. And so this is hard. And I think for me, I think it's just it's a matter of daily. It makes us depend on Jesus because mm. if it was easy, we wouldn't necessarily need Him. 
but yeah. we need him in every conversation, every moment, just to stay prayerful, to stay, mm-hmm. just stay dependent on on Jesus, because there's times where it's just, it is tough. And there's we've all had moments where we've said something and we're like, oh, I did yeah. not mean that. Or like, they heard it differently. Or it, like it feels, I was just misunderstood there, or, or we just made a mistake. So this is tough. But yeah, yeah just it, to me, it just makes me cling to Jesus all the more. Yeah. I mean, we, we all have things in our our history is our past. I mean, well, I do at least. I can specifically remember somebody said something to me that I just very, I I remember. Now, to be to be fair, I mean, I also remember some words of encouragement mm-hmm. that, that go all the way back to childhood, a specific word that was spoken. But man, um, uh, it, it words stay with us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I just think this whole thing of taming our tongue is tough. I don't think you can over come like the tongue by just sheer will either you know i think i think sometimes we come into like the new year and we're like oh we're gonna be a completely different person or oh i just if i just bite my tongue hard enough like i won't say what is just begging to come out that could be destructive or not not good and so it's like will isn't gonna do it and that's where you know that's what was so powerful about brian's message it's like it's a totally above you it's outside of yeah you know, the grit you know, of all of it. It's like what we were talking about before we were, we we're just kind of talking about the subject before mm-hmm. we started recording. And we're talking, you know, it's not the issue of taming, of taming the tongue. You're taming your heart. heart yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's what, that's what James and Brian really hit on that really hard because um, now I'm forgetting where the, where I saw this in the text yesterday um, in, a, it, in a different it text. Matthew 12. I think there is like a verse that said, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's it. Yep, there you go. See, thank you. The Bible scholar in the room. Thank you. Out of the abundance of the mouth, out of the abundance of the heart, Mm -hmm. the mouth speaks. So you're not taming your mouth. You're taming taming your heart, Mm -hmm. you know, which, which, and what does it say that the heart is, is deceitful, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and ultimately wicked. And, and so it needs, it needs that, that work of the spirit of God, like you were saying, Phil, you know, you, you put it very simply, you know, we just need Jesus and the spirit of Jesus, you know, each and each and every day, um, to fill us, uh, fill us up and, and bring about that change. Yeah, and and luckily, uh, as he always does, Brian Brian gave us some some really he good did. points. Three specifically yeah. to um, to help us start to win this battle um, and, and turn the tides and taming our tongue. Uh, three points that he gave was admit it to yourself and confess it to God. Ask God to change your heart, which is kind of what we just talked about, mm-hmm. and then do it every day. In other words, wash, rinse, and repeat. Continue mm. to do this over and over and over. If we could start to grab hold of these three things um, and start to to tame our tongue, Katie, how do you think some things in our life would, would start to change? How would we see that reflected in other places? Well, I mean, I think, I think at the end of the day, if we if our heart is completely transformed by Christ and we can walk into a room knowing that we're loved, we're accepted because God, that's like we're looking to God for that approval, mm. then the things that come at us are going to hit completely different because we're not going to be internalizing it going, yeah. how does that affect me? How does that reflect mm. on me? You're going to all of a sudden be speaking truth to that inner critic and that inner voice in your head and you're going to be able to encounter people in a way where you're hearing their words out of where their hurt might be driving or whatever. So in that case, you're going to be in an overflow situation. You're not going to be hearing things for your own gratification. You're going to be actually listening and hearing the person in front of you. And I think that that 
that simple change, that simple transformation of how you process any conversation, any word, any even like look or, you know, comment or whatever said mm. on the fly, like your, your mind isn't going to get to run with it yeah. because you've been transformed. And again, that's not something that maybe you have a great day one day where you're like, man, things are rolling off my back, no problem. And then mm. the next day, just like Brian was saying, you just have days where you're down. And so you mm. have to go back to that truth, those things that are true about, you know, what was said and then move forward in the grace, knowing that God's going to cover, you know, yeah. your conversations and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think, like Brian said, this is a daily thing. Mm-hmm. And I think in this time and this year, more than ever before, like, you never know who's who is next to you or around mm-hmm. you that needs the hope and the love and the joy and the peace of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And what, what an opportunity we have if we can – if we can depend on Jesus through our conversations, through how we communicate, how we, with the words that we say or don't say, what an opportunity mm-hmm. we have. I mean, when you think about it too, I mean, Jesus doesn't need us to, to be able to give off the love and hope and, and, and joy of Jesus, but he chose us. Mm-hmm. Like he chose us to actually play a part in his story. What a gift we have to be able mm-hmm. to be an encouragement, to give, like, let our words be words of life for the people that, that so desperately need it. And we mm-hmm. need it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for like for everyone in this room, like there's been moments where you've spoken into my life or encouraged me in a time where I've needed it. Mm-hmm. And like, we need each other in that. That's we why do. we need groups. That's why we need friends um, that are, yeah. that are using this. And that's what, what a gift that is that, that Jesus has given us um, yeah. to be able to use that for encouragement. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. a great point because um, Brian even talked about, you know, one of the final points he made was how important that is. What you just what you just said about having other people in your life mm-hmm. um, that uh, speak truth and and hope and encouragement and and challenge you, you mm-hmm. know, in, in your life. And and we we talk a ton about uh, community because I mean, I, I, reacting and responding and applying so much of what we read in the scripture is meant to be done and it's done most effectively in the context of some kind of community. Mm-hmm. You know, the community of our marriage or the community of our home or the community uh, the community of friends or or a specific um, community that we've chosen in our in our church. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I think for me, um there are guys that I've been in community with for a long time who have that place in my life to kind of come alongside me and just just kind of challenge me about the way maybe I'm speaking um to other people or to my wife and, you know, and all those other things. And back to your point, um, your question, Tyler, that, that I think if we just think about husbands and wives, mm-hmm. if we could, if we could challenge each other and encourage each other, um, to a point where we're all getting just a little better, you know, just, just what is it? One degree of change or whatever it is. Um, and the way that we communicate with each other as spouses, what a difference it would make for the rest of our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Our natural lives together is is huge, and so I think community is is um is hugely important. And for me, I, I don't know about you guys. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. But mm-hmm. uh, small groups have played a big role. The, the men and small groups particularly have played a a big role in that because when we talk kind of one on one, they they are a, a big encouragement to me. And and sometimes you know they hold me accountable and and challenge me, and it's helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I remember when we moved. So uh, my husband and I moved here um, from Kentucky to work here at Westridge. And I remember we we came from our college town. We came from family. And so we had like super just like 
deep community. And I remember moving to Georgia and thinking, oh, I'm going to be a part of a church and a staff and I'm going to find it immediately. And we're going to find our people. And I remember coming up a year, a year on like us working here. And I just remember like crying in Phil's office. I was like, we need people. And he was like, Katie, it takes time. And I was like, if you say that to me one more time, I'm going to be so mad. And it's, it is so true. Cause I think, you know, it, it is a risk. It's a risk getting it into is. a group. And it's and it's That's scary true. and it's one of those things where he might have had a horrible experience. He might have had people, you know, that thought that, you know, if you join a group then instantly you have the right to speak into somebody else's life, both yeah. in both in criticism and encouragement. And I think that there you know, there are those moments, but I think yeah. at the end of the day if you go in with the heart and going into community that you're going to take time. You're going to build those relationships. You're going to live life alongside each other. You're going to start sharing things in the right time. Then, you know, over the years I've realized that we've given ourselves grace to find those friends. And now we're in a season four years later, you know, where we have those friends that we call and we know that we can ask the tough questions and they can say things that, you know, are critical of us because we're asking for it, but we know that their heart is doing it out of love, not in a span, not in a space of going, you know, just trying to whip you up into what they think or whatever. But I mean, yeah, friendship and good accountability and all that, it takes time. And, but what a better year to start after a year of isolation and craziness, you know? Great word. Right? (laughs) That's a great word. Yes. You know, um, it's January. That's right. Here at Westridge, you can join a group anytime during the year, but Mm -hmm. specifically during January, it's a month, a month full of of group launch. Um, All of our group areas are gearing up for new groups. new groups. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and ready to accept new people. So if you're listening to the podcast this morning and you're saying, hey, my next step to to help really start to turn the tide on on how I speak, how I walk, um, uh, my relationship out with Christ and and with others is my next steps to join a group. I'm ready Mm -hmm. for that. You can do that right now at westridge.com slash groups. You're going to be hearing about it all month here at Westridge. Mm -hmm. Um, and all the groups are ready for you. They're ready. They, yep. You're not going to catch them by surprise. They're ready for new people. They're ready to start a new year, just like we're all ready to start yep. a brand new year. 2021 is going to be a good one. Guys, thanks so much for being here with us this morning. Oh, thanks for having really us. Really appreciate really it. Good. It's been a great way to kick off this year. So hang on just a second. Before we, before we close out, Phil, you gave a great little quote that I want all of our listeners to remember, and I want to remember it, about you know what people you want. What do you want people to experience on the other side of you or something like that? I want you to give us the exact quote because I want to remember it the way you said it and uh, and what it what it means. But I yeah. loved it, buddy. What I was sharing was just what's it like to be on the other side of you? That's it. And what do you want it to look like? Yeah. What needs to change? You yeah. Know? I think that's so good. It made me think even um, – I'm so I've, my son just turned six years old. I've got a mm-hmm. daughter that's almost two. Um, I, I, I'm reminded every day like – my words matter to those kids and yes. I've I've experienced moments too where I've I've maybe experienced somebody else or a neighbor kid or something else sharing words to my kid or kids of words that I don't want to be in them <laughs> and it creates this like fury in oh, me. Yeah. I know every yeah. parent can probably create that have that moment like <laughs> you you mess with me whatever you can say whatever you want to me and whatever but you say that to my kids, yeah. or those are fighting words, game you know? Or my game over. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. um, or my uh, even yeah. my family. Like, that's that's sacred. Like, you don't sure. mess with family. Sure. And I think even what James is talking about, what Brian encouraged us yeah. with, and even what was just on my heart hearing that message is like, I, sometimes I wonder 
if that's how God feels when we're not using our words carefully for his sons and daughters. Yeah. Uh, like those are, Great. our words matter. Every single they word do. that we have matters. And we can choose to give life or we can choose to, to destroy people with that's our right. words. Uh, what a gift and opportunity we have to use it to point people to Jesus with our words. Great. And man, what a great way to finish up our podcast. This has been really fun today. I've learned a lot. I've enjoyed it. I hope our listeners have learned a lot. And for those of you who are listening, we just really do want to echo what Brian said yesterday at the end of his talk. Listen to it if you didn't get a chance, but just to let you know that you are loved. 